0: What is up? I'm Miguel Antonio, and you are listening to the Live and Create podcast. It's where I interview artists and entrepreneurs about what it means to live a great life and create great things. And before we jump into today's podcast, I'd love for you to check out a short clip of a song called On Your Own from my band, Run With It. And fun fact about this song is our guest today, Joshua Gleave, is the person who actually produced this song for us. So here's, again, a short clip of On Your Own. This is the road to take. if you like what you heard make sure you check out the full song anywhere you stream music at or go follow us at run with the band at run with the band and check out the links there now for today's podcast our guest today is joshua Gleave, originating from kansas city and now making waves in nashville Joshua Gleave is carving out his own space in the music industry. With a background as a songwriter, producer, and podcaster, Josh has contributed his creative touch to artists like Chris Young and the Swan Brothers, while also fostering the growth of newer talent. He also helped produce most of the music that my band has put out, and he's gonna be working on our upcoming releases as well. We're very excited about that. Now, outside the studio, Joshua indulges in collecting sneakers, playing basketball, and showcasing his culinary skills. And now, ready for a new venture, Josh is stepping out from behind the scenes and into the spotlight to launch his own recording artist career. Now, if you want to check out his backstory, he was also a guest on episode 73 of the podcast. The link is in the show notes. But in this episode today... Josh and I explore the concept of reshaping your narrative to discover happiness and achievement. He also discusses how his personal journey of redefining his potential motivated him to transition from a behind-the-scenes role in the music industry to a performing artist. Additionally, we delve into the intricacies of and advice for crafting songs. It's a great episode. Enjoy.
1: The Live and Create Podcast.
0: been on a journey right and the journey keeps growing <laughs> i love i love watching the journey yeah uh, but one thing i remember this is probably about halfway through your musical journey where i think run with it got involved a little bit uh during that period and i remember you sitting in the studio uh the, just off of it's like a few blocks from where you're at now uh, right, in, Nashville, Hunter, uh in the basement there and you're looking at all the shit we are doing as artists. And you're like, I don't want to do any of that, man. I love behind the scenes. I love producing. I love making you all do that shit. Yep. <laughs> and now here we are. And you are starting this artistic. You're like out front. You've been on artistic journey. I don't mean to take that away. But yeah. the out front artist performer journey. Uh, yep. So I I know a little bit from some of the stuff you put out, but. For the listener, and just to recap and and start this combo, uh, tell us how you got to this point of being a behind the scenes guy and going out front now.
1: Sure, yeah. Oh, it's been it's been a journey. Uh I think if you to catch people up, I am now in my 23rd year of doing music uh full time which is a lot for a 38 year old. So this is quite the, the math. I know the math seems, seems odd, but I graduated high school early to start doing this. And uh, you know, it was early on, it was touring and being in bands and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I found that my uh, creativity was best used behind the scenes. I thought that because I played, drums and guitar and bass and keys and all these things that like the best use of, of my skill set was to make other people sound better. And so I've been doing that for I mean, frick, man, like a long t- a long time. Right. Um as long
0: as I've known you, definitely we've yeah. known each other quite a long time. Quite a long time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean probably 15 years of doing studio stuff and records, etc. Um and it was great and it was wonderful. And I still do it a little bit. Um, but fast forward now a year ago. So July of, of 22, you know, I, I got this publishing deal and I've been writing songs in Nashville and, and that's been really my focus for the last couple of years. And I started to realize like, maybe this is the thing I love the most that maybe, uh, it's not just making a good record, but I care more about what the, the bridge melody is or what the lyric is, or, hey, Miguel, this song doesn't make any sense. Like, what what are you trying to say here, you know? You mean
0: half, half of the songs I would send you, you're like, bro, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, I love metaphors, but what the fuck are you talking about right now? <laughs> um, I actually tell a story a lot uh,
0: recently because we were getting asked about songwriting, and uh, I was like, yeah, I would send a big group of songs to Josh, and then there was one time I don't even remember if you you remember the song. I don't remember the title. All you texted back was "What the fuck." That that was the only response. <laughs> I was like, okay, because I was telling I was like, you gotta have thick skin and be willing to you know tear apart your ideas or lack of, lack thereof.
1: Yeah, in order to grow, you must first be able to take criticism, and if you can take criticism, right you can edit the parts of it that, that maybe aren't quite as, as, uh, um, sparkly as some of the other parts.
0: Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you, you loved again, making these soundscapes and helping people like, like you did for us, even just take our shit to a whole new level, but then yeah, you fall yeah. in love with the writing process in, in that regard. Right.
1: Yeah. And it, it seems to be that that is, that's my actual superpower. The, I am, I'm a really great, uh, producer. I'm a really great engineer. I, I'm not discrediting myself by any stretch, but man, does my brain really work best looking at melody and lyrics and how do you say something and what is the melody? What note are you singing? Hey, is this in the right key? Hey, if we drop this a half step, you actually can sing this better, even though it's not, you're not like screaming at me anymore. Anyway, all those things to be said, I just, I've I've become a career songwriter and had some success doing that. And so with that comes playing all these writers rounds all over Nashville and you three or four people get up on stage and tell stories and you sing your songs. And for the longest time, I was very insecure about uh, my singing voice that I I thought that I, someone had told me once when I was younger that I would never be a good singer. I know. And even though I've told so many people so many times throughout the years to fuck off because they have no idea what they're talking about that is the one thing that like buried itself in my subconscious and kind of like drove the narrative and a year ago so july of 22 i'm playing at the listening room in nashville which is this really wonderful venue um where it's encouraged for everyone to be quiet and to just listen to these songwriters talk about these songs and listen to the lyrics and listen to the melodies and really like absorb it. It's a really cool environment as a creative and brother, I couldn't miss that night. I just, I sang my ass off. I had that crowd in the palm of my hand, every story,
0: every musical
1: three at that point, buddy, (laughs) like fire. On fire. I Every joke landed. They laughed at all the appropriate times that I wanted them to laugh. I was deferential to the other writers. I mean, I just was batting a thousand. It was fantastic. And I got off stage back into the little green room. I set my guitar down. I was like, well, if it was like that, I would do it. And I recognized (laughs) that like it's not, it's 1% like that. It's not even 10% like that. It's 1% of the time that the sound is awesome and you can hear yourself perfectly and right. the crowd is all over it. But it's sort of, it set this little idea. It, it was inception, right? This idea mm-hmm. got placed in my brain and I couldn't shake it. And then I started to think about all these songs that I had written for other people throughout the years and thought, what if I just kept those? What (laughs) if instead of making everyone else's records awesome or writing all these songs for all these artists, like what if that was just me? What if I had just been doing this for me this entire time and all this creativity was mine, which was mine to begin with. Like it was Hmm. what I was putting to the table. What if I had just put it on my own shoulders? I was like, what, "Am I just too big of a chicken shit to do this?" Like, because that—that's really the moment, right? Like, you start right. asking questions, and you go, "Am I just a coward?" Like, maybe that's what it is. And if it—if you are, like, make peace with, make peace with it, you know, <laughs> like, and move on Admit with your life. it, admit yeah, it, admit and embrace it. it. <clears throat> well, yeah, I find absolutely. it
0: interesting because of you talking about how this person planted a different seed. Years and years ago, that grew and took root in your brain that said you can't do it, where it's, it's a beautiful thought to think like all of a sudden, this night, that little seed got planted with a totally different story. And now you have the opportunity to,
1: to, to rewrite that story in your mind. And now in reality, too that's amazing and live and live in that that sort of headspace and and it really is you know the 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 power of thought and the power of manifestation the power of positive thinking and and talking yourself positively and going man what if what if i'm awesome <laughs> like what <laughs> you know i know i know all the reasons why it shouldn't work at this point right i'm 38 mm-hmm. i'm too old i'm too chunky I'm not a world-class singer. I like I, I I can answer all the reasons why it shouldn't work, right right um and there's more, I'm sure. But I sit here and I go, yeah, but no one can write a song like I can. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's enough, man. like maybe just writing the songs with conviction and singing them with conviction and doing the best thing that I can possibly do in this moment, knowing I'll get better. Right. And this will go into a deeper conversation that I want to have with you about this, (laughs) knowing that, like, I don't have to win a Grammy on my first release. Right. I don't have to strive for the pat on the head of going, wow, man, you're the best singer I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. We're setting the bar so astronomically high That I will never, I will be paralyzed to put anything out because I will never reach my own standards, let alone the fake standards I've created that I think other people have for me, which none of them do. Everyone that's heard my stuff been like, dude, you've not amazing.
0: (laughs) Well, one Um, one solution to that though, I I can do a quick cure for you is just play at like one AM. At a bar where they're really drunk, and no matter what, they'll come up. Anyone will come up and tell you that you're the best songwriter in the world at that moment. So that if you need that, that's a spot you can go because
1: it is available to you at, at any point. At any point. Um, so yeah. So it it really has taken hold, and in the last six months, it was put up or shut up time. Mm-hmm. Um And so I recorded. So I went on a summer tour with Sam Hunt doing playback and we left in the beginning of July and we were done October 1st. Technically I have one more. I leave this weekend for one more, but whenever this goes up, yeah, it's already, it's already done. So, um, and one of my goals for myself was get this song done and recorded before I leave. Like just, Hey man, like, you're gonna. I wanted to be done all summer. I wanted just focus on touring. I wanted to not have things weighing on my on my shoulders or on my plate. I just wanted to like be present, and be out there, and doing it. So get this shit done before you leave, and then let someone mix it. And then when you're done with the tour, guess what? You'll have a song in hand, and then you have to, uh, some decisions to make. Right. Right. And uh, so this,
0: if I hear you right, you weren't you were only committed at that point to the process of like finishing that song. You, it sounds like you didn't even fully commit. Like I'm going full artist at that, at that moment.
1: Nope. It was, it was, that's really cool. It was, I knew I was supposed to record this one song. It was going to kill me to let anyone else record it. And because there, there's so much in the song called, let me let you go that I wrote with my friends, Zach and Colton Swan from the Swan Brothers. They're on The um, the Voice. They're a country duo. They're wonderful, wonderful people. Um, but the story largely mirrored a relationship that I had a couple of years ago. And I was like, man, this is really personal to me. I've been singing it in these writers rounds. It feels really good to sing. It's one of those songs you can always tell in a writer's round when you're onto something because the room gets really quiet. People start like they shut the fuck up and start listening. And I just couldn't imagine a world where someone else was singing that song except for me. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do this one. (laughs) I'll commit to one. And I cut the vocal two days before we left for the tour. And I was the most nervous I've been making music probably in 25 years. I mean, since I probably picked up a guitar, you know what I mean? Um, I felt like a kid again. I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. I had all of these years of like coaching you to sing and all sorts of people. And like now you're in the booth and now I'm in the booth scared shitless going, how do (laughs) I how how does someone do that? Why? Why would you do this to yourself? Um, and I had my, my friend Andrew engineer and record it and comp and tune my vocal. Cause I just, I didn't want to do it. I was like, I want to be the artist. I just want to sing. And then someone hands something to me and go, Hey, look, it's great. Yeah. Um, and I got it. I got the vocal back. And for the first time I was like, you know, it's not half bad. There are things I would change about it now. Um, it's not half bad. I'm actually kind of excited about this. And I showed it to, I just leaked it to a couple friends and mm. they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I was like, all right, F it. Like, let's do this, you know? And it gets back to an interesting conversation that I do want to have with you. Because as I was doing this, I actually thought about you and your processing and sometimes you're overthinking with how you you approach oh yeah
0: that's why i that's why i do want to get to where where you're taking it but just kind of piggybacking off of something you said i i find that piece where you didn't even fully commit you're just like this is the thing i'm going to do this is the process up to this point and i find that really Really interesting. And even for us, we're in the band, we're talking about this concept of iterations now where it's everything's just, it's just this next step. That's yes, it. It's even. And it, it's like a way to almost like hijack that. But I haven't heard someone explain it the way you did in that process. That's it's a beautiful strategy. But, but yeah, to overthinking, which I, yeah, yeah. I've been so, doing it
1: all morning actually. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Uh, so something that i've kind of discovered and i want to open this up for for dialogue and sort of challenge you a little bit is i think there is a window in being a creative and creating something right let's say it's mm-hmm. a song for for this for this conversation there is a window in which you're still really excited about it and it's great and then after that window, the analytical objectiveness sets in, and you start to dislike it more. Right. Pull it apart, or say that it's not good enough, or oh, I can do this better. Oh, I can do this better. And my challenge to you, because I just watched a a a, a um, Snapchat video of you guys working on like a version of Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. Right? I heard, I heard it in the background and I was like, I know that song. Um,
0: (laughs) That is is one that that I was like, I was like, I'm not happy with it yet. Like you said, I'm like, where the fuck can this go? Right. Right.
1: Right. And so, but what I do find is sometimes you just have to pour yourself into as good of the moment when it's still fresh and new. Right. That you can and put it out and release it Hmm. because I'm already listening. Let me let you go comes out November 29th. Right. So we're like three weeks out from when we're, we're taping this. I already have things I would fix and change. Absolutely. I already already have lines I would re-sing. I would, there's so many things where I'm like, ah, ah, but I committed to, Making it to the best of my ability in that moment. Mm-hmm. Who I am as a singer right now is drastically better than what I was in July when I sang this. Oh, absolutely! As you so go down, down that because I've been, I've been recording <laughs> other songs since then. Yeah, and so I'm finding things about myself, going, "Oh, interesting! I actually am capable of this." But if I looked back at that song and I'm like, "Well, let me just re-sing it now. I'm a better singer. Let me re-sing it," or Hey, like, you know, the mix is good, but like, what if I got this person to mix it or whatever? Like, um, it's never going to be done. Right. And so songs can be the snapshot of just like, this is where I was at when I wrote it. This is as great as I can possibly pour into it. And there is a timeline and a time, and I don't know, and it's different for every person and it's different right. for every song. There are songs that, need time that are a slow burn that like have to figure out their way out, you know, but when you commit, I'm doing this song, like clock's going, man. And, and because you want it to be, this is as great as this was and who I am now is better than this, but this still is just the snapshot of the time of my life when we did this song. And I think there is paralysis by analysis and I'm really trying to, especially as someone who has spent so much time behind the scenes as the person calling the shots and setting the bar that I am, I am, I am forcing myself to go, this is great for now. The song is for now and it may live on forever. It may be eternal. It may be evergreen. It may have those kind of legs in it, or it could just be that song I put out in the fall of 2023. And it's one of, 50 songs I put out in, in my lifetime and in my career, but it's part of the process. It, it still the- has
0: that. I think that's one reason that concept of iterations becomes become so powerful for us. In, in the band, we all have started reminding ourselves of it. Uh, it's one reason we're actually able to, I think we weren't putting on con- putting even content out for a while because we thought it had to be at some certain bar where it's like, no, we just need to reconnect with our fans because we haven't talked to them for three years because we ended, you know, <laughs> and yeah. it's actually been way more fun. in every, every little step, we're learning something I do. So the only thing, there are certain songs that I think keep coming back. Uh, there's a slew of songs I've just kind of like said, those are those are gone. Um, There's something about Brooklyn Bridge that keeps coming back, but isn't quite there. I Need a Light was a great example of that. I I started writing that damn song when I was like 21 on a piano, like grand piano, you know, late night at a church kind of deal. And then what was a decade later? And it was like the chorus just kept coming back and coming back, but it was never right until we finally paired up. But to your point, there was a time where it was like, Oh no, this is where it's at. I'm sending it to Josh. And then you kicked me back, you know, the, that piece. And we needed to make it happen. No, yes. I, I do feel you on that. Um, and that's for us, there's actually about six, I think five or six tracks that we want, we're getting ready to send you to start getting yes. some of those critiques. Um, and that's what is so overthinking where I debated, like at what point do I send it to him? Because part of me wants to give you a picture of what the whole the band sounds like. What you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like, Absolutely. hey, this is kind of the sh-. and and really right now we're still just kind of scratching the surface. We're just trying to figure each other out, to get that synergy. But like, yeah. we've actually wrote two songs I'll never send to anybody. They they're the next day we're like, oh no, those are terrible. But damn, it was fun writing it. Was it. Fun. And it, it was actually fun. like contributed to the synergy where it made us like not like get out of our heads because we we're just saying stupid ass lyrics and just like what rhymes with that okay do that you know um because yeah i definitely can slave over that and i think i think that's where artists and i'm speaking from experience get trapped so much because it's not perfect i knew people who were working on an album for three years and they never even released that album you know and they're doing something else now and it it's like oh man
1: sometimes you gotta let it fly (laughs) sometimes you gotta let it fly man and it it uh yeah. <laughs> there is. There is diminishing returns after a certain point, but it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be synergistic. Yeah. It's supposed to, you know, and I think that that's so important for, like you said, for the band, for you guys to kind of figure out, you know, every every band is, a, you know, I, I, I love basketball. Right. My, my shiner. I've got this little bruise right here. This is from getting an elbow in, in uh, our basketball championship two weeks ago. Nice. Um, I look, I look at everything as a basketball team, and it's there are some teams that we just got it immediately that everyone knew exactly where to go, and you didn't have to talk about it, and you didn't have to pre-plan or like, oh, you should probably do this. Like everyone just got it. And then there's some teams that I've been on that are like pretty close, but hey, you should you you do the if you do this, we hmm. win. You know, if you do this one thing, we win, right? And there's some teams where I'm like, this is never going to work. And, and I feel like that with bands, like you kind of, you have to feel that out a little bit like a sports right. team, like a basketball team. You have to kind of go, oh, so if you do that, then I do this. And if we do that, then they do this. And if they do that, then we do this. And then all of a sudden it's this. Right. And we've got something. Um,
0: and I think and- that's where yeah. something special happens with a band. You know, because you can have a band that's almost like a solo artist. I have friends where they have a band, but it really is them writing, literally producing everything and everyone just shows up to play. And that's that's a great perspective and great approach for people as well, where, you know, for us, I think a lot of other bands, it's it's trying to meld. like, what does it look like to have something that's very unique and special about this thing? To me, that's the bands I love. There's something about like all of them together.
1: That's so yeah, the, the sum is greater than the parts. You listen to yeah. a U2 or a Coldplay, right? And I know that that's like the whatever poster child for for things, but they sound bigger than just four people on stage. Like absolutely, what they do together works in a way that you're just like, wow, that's, you know, In My Places guitar part is... And it feels slower than it should be. Yeah, but it's, but it's so three right. Notes. It's three <laughs> notes. It's literally three notes. The, the entire right. it's we, we overthink this shit a little bit. Like but it works perfectly. It works perfectly. Um so yeah, so so I'm on this journey and like I said, the first song comes out end of this month. I've already recorded song number 2. Nice. I hired, did you know Brandon Paddock? I can't remember if you had met No, I don't think I met Brandon. So Brandon is also a Kansas City guy. He went to LA and did a bunch of stuff with John Feldman out there. And then now he's been with Martin Johnson from Boys Like Girls. And he did all of, he co-produced all the stuff from the night game. And then all of the new Boys Like Girls stuff, crushing it. Brandon's a good friend. He's who I sort of like came up under. We both work together uh at Waggy's. Nice. Um so he's here and I had him produce like all the little
0: mad scientists in the basement of Waggy's like 100%. eventually going
1: out and conquering the musical world. <laughs> the behind the music of Waggy World is just fantastic. Right. Um but so I um Uh, so yeah, so I, I produced, let me let you go, which comes out this month. And then I handed the reins over to Brandon for the second song. It's a song called ghost town, which was originally supposed to be a Jason Aldean pitch. Oh, wow. I wrote it with, with, uh, two really good friends, Michael Tyler and Josh Phillips. It was meant directly for Jason Aldean and we sent it to him and they said, eh, we're good. (laughs) <laughs> and so this song has just sat for a long time and it got me thinking after a while like oh this is kind of another one of those songs where like man I really enjoy singing this song like hmm. could I see someone else singing it I mean I guess I wrote it for Aldeen but he passed on it so f it like maybe it should be me right um so that's already in the can that's done that's done and waiting I've got a third song that I just tracked a couple nights ago. Oh, yeah. That is done. I just need to cut vocals on it. And I'm trying to get all this stuff. And so so to back it up, it's like, yeah, I knew that I was supposed to do the first song. And that was it. And it turned out so great that I sat there and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do this. And if I'm going to do this, I'm going to Josh cleave the hell out of this and I'm going to have everything done and waiting in the wings before the first one even goes live. I love
0: that. Well it's like I remember like back to right before we released our EP, we were actually in the studio working on the next EP which never came out. Uh, right. <laughs> but we were
1: on that same are, track, and, yeah, and I think it's so, the I think it's the way to go. Yeah, we were seven demos in trying to figure out like the next right. songs. The next, oh, because those songs were darker than what you did on the EP. They were yeah. moodier. They were, they were very moody. <laughs> they were oh, synth, baby. Yeah, synth. so much synth. Like And so we were already trying to go, oh, that's interesting. Um, okay, how do we let's start laying the groundwork so that you know. You guys could be eight months in promoting the EP, but we'd already be working on the next thing. So you're not just all of a sudden going, oh, crap, we right. need more songs. Oh, crap. Are these done? Are these good? <laughs> Do we even know what kind of band we want to be? We were looking at your live show going, hey, you need stuff that rocks a little bit more. This Right. Feels we're, a little-
0: we're like, we're, we feel bored when we're playing live. That's one yeah. thing because we're playing live a lot more now as a band and it's like every time we come back from a show and then we start writing again we're like okay this thing really made people like dance and so how do we do that how do we you know get those things and it definitely informs a process i so i'm curious though when you're writing because obviously well maybe not obviously i'm guessing you're still doing the co-writes and still working in a publishing world what does that look like as an artist with a publishing deal uh but then also wanting to do your own is it kind of like you write and then every once in a
1: while you're like no i really like that one i'm gonna keep it or yeah what does that look like sometimes it's that there are some titles or starts of songs right so when when we do these co-writes generally people show up with a list full of titles Um, maybe some starts, Hey, I've got this chorus, or I've got two lines of a melody for this or whatever, you know, somewhere, somewhere to start from. Um, so sometimes it's, we finish a song and I cherry pick it and I go, man, I feel like that might be me. That hasn't really happened. It's been more songs that have just sat around for forever that I'm like, you know, like the Aldean (laughs) ones. Yeah. This song, this song needs to see the world, you know, this song needs to be out there. Um, there are some titles, the third song is a solo, right? It's just a song I wrote by myself. Hmm. Um, that one, I knew the title. I started working on it and I was like, this is definitely me. And this is definitely the third song that's supposed to come out. I already knew what I wanted to do. Production wise, I already knew how the song was supposed to land. Like, hmm. and so I just tuning fork went off. And I was like, that's, that's a me song. There are lots of songs I write that are not for me at all, that I am there to serve the other songwriter or the other artist or whomever is in the room. And I love that part of it too, because that's a whole different part of creativity. Right.
0: So when you come in, is there like, so, so you come into a group, right? Is there typically parameters there where like one person in the room is like, is is the one bringing the idea and saying help me craft this or the alpha, yeah. what does that look like <laughs> is the alpha yeah yeah or is it more just like at in the process of the group right you start understanding no this is not a song for me
1: but I can contribute to it I think it's whatever the the best so usually it's three people if 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 it's if I had it my way, there would always be an artist in the room because then there's at least someone that wants to potentially record this song, right? That makes sense. Just being like. Getting that business mind
0: going like,
1: hey, 100%, are we yeah. wasting
0: our time here, motherfuckers?
1: <laughs> right. Or, you know, so ideally that's the case. It's not always the case. And if it's not the case, then it's just best idea wins that day right maybe it's not what i think is the best idea maybe the other two people are like oh we really love this title i'm like that sounds like a shitty song but all right let's do it you know <laughs> i don't say that but like internally i'm like all right my challenge is to take this idea that i don't think is fully realized hmm. try to make as great a song as possible right it. Um, in a way I imagine that helps you still flex that muscle though it does and also and it should be underlined and put in bold face like all artists all writers make shitty art Uh, no one is batting a thousand no one is just like oh all I do is write number ones and put out Grammy winning records Taylor Swift does not and I don't want the Swifties coming after me, but like, <laughs> I'm sure there are songs that she's written where she's like, "That's never going to see the light of day." No way. Oh, I bet. There, it's just it's statistically impossible to just be incredible a hundred percent.
0: I read this article where it chronicled start to finish a song for Rihanna mm-hmm. that never went anywhere, yep. and it, it started with like a songwriter's retreat where they had all the top songwriters in the industry out in a cabin for two weeks, room after room, she popped in and out. Right. Yep. Um, it eventually came to their best producers, best, everything, all the way marketing production, $2 million spent from start to finish. Sure. Didn't do shit. It didn't go anywhere. And she's Rihanna and 2 million, you know?
1: <laughs> right. And that's <laughs> just, just like, like, Oh, what a write-off. Oh, well.
0: Well, and again, you know, it, it comes back to, the iterations and not overthinking that it's only through those steps do we keep learning and growing you know even you know down to content like every time i post a tiktok i'm i see something new i didn't see on tiktok i was like oh shit that's a cool feature or a cool thing that can help
1: leverage it you know each little iteration i think makes a huge difference it does and failing makes a huge difference and uh, you don't recognize what's a great song until you write a bunch of really bad ones and then one of them sticks out and you're like, oh, right, that's what that's supposed to be like. Okay, well, now I need to, that's the new bar, that's the floor, right? Now that I've written this, I need to write better than what this is. And so right. you get to the point and I'm, I'm thankful that I get to do this as a career, but there's a certain floor that I don't write a song worse than, right? It may not be a great song, Right, you've already c- crossed that threshold through the work that you've already done. Correct. I will. I will not. If I'm involved, I will not allow a song to be worse than here. Right. <laughs> I want it up here, but right. it will. I under no circumstances, if I'm in the room, will it drop below this. Right. Um, and I, I will like, I'll twist people's arms to get there because, like, sometimes people <laughs> will be like. Yeah, that, that line's good. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. We're not talking about the same song. That is just a, that is word salad right now. We are not doing anything. <laughs> um, so now I'm thankful. You for, com-
0: oh, go ahead. Sorry about that.
1: Yeah, I'm thankful for that. But but it's certainly, it changes your, your perspective and barometer for what is and is not a good song. What is something that I would put out versus what I would not put out. You know what right. I mean?
0: From your perspective, um, especially spending so much time now uh in the songwriting world, how much time should a band be working on the actual song, the idea, the lyrics, the melody versus
1: the production of it? Woo. Um, well, first I would say sometimes there are songwriters and then sometimes there are people that just play instruments. Yeah. And so kind of figuring out who should be in the room, who should be in the room, or if everyone's in the room, which voice should be driving and the loudest. Right. Um, And that's not, that's not, I'm not like casting judgment over bands or, or anything, but there are, I look at the band Creed, right? I love Creed, love Creed. I love that Creed is having a re- renaissance finally. I saw,
0: I saw that out there. I actually, I almost texted you was gonna be like, "Are you going on tour with them?"
1: <laughs> I'm not, but I'm definitely going to the tour when it comes through Nashville. Um, Scott Stapp and Mark Tremonti wrote all the songs. Yeah, Brian Marshall and Scott Phillips are in the band. Gotcha. They contribute to those songs. Their parts are as important as the song itself. Right. But there are two clear guys that really know how to like write songs and put this whole thing together. Right. Mm. And so, so first I would say define the roles. Okay. That's good. Um, Second, a great song can be produced in any sort of way. And we know this because you can hear an Ed Sheeran song be played on an acoustic guitar, or you can hear it as a dubstep remix or you can hear it in a variety of different ways, and it's still the same song. It's still the same lyric, the same melody. It's just what is the outfit that it's wearing that day, right? Right. So spending too much time in production, unless you have someone that's incredibly talented at production, Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily reap the reward Mm. as much as like crafting a song or you know, here's the chorus, right? So when I write a song, here's my process. We write the chorus first. Mm -hmm. The chorus has to be absolutely banging. The chorus has to make sense. It has to be uh, a a smart, clever hook or a really cool perspective on how I'm going to do it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we are writing verses to point towards that chorus. I already know where I'm supposed to land. I need to use language that point me towards this thing that tell the story for the payoff, for the thing that everyone wants to sing. And, I, and I've and i used this example a million times. I'm going to use it again. Sometimes it is not even about the lyrics. It's just how you sing it. If you listen yeah. to Dan Shea's huge, massive number one tequila, it's, <laughs> when I taste tequila, baby, I still see it. I'm time to get down i on a <laughs> Sky high in Colorado Let's press against bottles <laughs> Like that is You listen to a crowd sing it And you'll never unhear it this way right. You'll hear sing those two Those four lines super strong And the other stuff doesn't fucking matter
0: It's like why I listen to Drake You know, right. like half the time God's I'm like up the process, uh, And I'm uh, like, yeah that shit vibing
1: vibing. god's plan (laughs) vibing 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 right so exactly like figuring out what those moments are making those moments fucking matter and then pointing everything else you're doing towards those moments of impact Mm -hmm. that that is everything and then it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what you play on drums it doesn't matter what synth patch you have it doesn't matter because that impact is built into what you're doing Right.
0: So like if someone's a two, you could put the best clothes on them, shower them up. They're still just a two in really nice clothes at that point. Sure. So you're wanting to find that 10.
1: Yeah, you, they're a two in really nice clothes. And the second they open their mouth, you're like, oh, <laughs> no charisma whatsoever. This is a landing flat, you know.
0: Now, for the listener, you you do a lot of working with other artists as well and have for years and years and years how often do you see bands get trapped in that where they're so wrapped up in the sound and the production that they're missing that songwriting piece?
1: I, th- I think a lot. I think that so much of it can be mitigated with the right conversations. Hmm. So much of it can be mitigated with producers not being chicken shit um, to kind of just go, Hey, we're aiming low, you know, like Miguel, you're a great singer. Mm-hmm. And if I just let you sing, however you want to sing, most people would be like, yeah, that's really great. Right. But if you remember when, when I'm like vocal coaching you, like, I'm like, Hey, you have to close that word. You have to, it's, oh, you yeah. can't just go I'm God. Go, go. It's like God, 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 God uh go you know like especially under the microscope because you can hear all those details absolutely you i don't inflection at that point so it's like the role of a producer is to um g- like pull that last 10 percent out of what you're already capable of doing right it's right. to set the bar high it's to aim towards something it's to Make sure the Sonics are correct with the conversations, right? You have to have those conversations ahead of time. What kind of band do you want to be? Well, we're a dancier Imagine Dragons, but it needs to have that sort of like we could sync license it without my vocal pretty easily, right? (laughs) Like, oh, okay. I understand what that's supposed to sound like then. Right. Right. And that means we need more group vocals in choruses and we need more chants or woes or like, there's just, oh, you know, I love woes. I know you love woes all over that shit.
0: I think we did a moratorium on woes for a a year or two.
1: (laughs) We did. Every chorus is like, yeah. Whoa. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, I just started bringing them back this summer. I was like, I think, I think I'm have a better relationship with woes. Now I even try to now put words in place of woe, you know, like an I, but with the same effect, you know, that kind of thing.
1: That's great. I try to
0: try to mix it up. Try to mix it up.
1: I give the people what they want, man. I get it. Um, <laughs> But yeah. So it's like, you have those conversations. Now I, the producer have a better understanding of where you're trying to land Mm-hmm. So I can set the bar really high and then not allow any of us to drop below that standard. Right. And that means looking at great, great singers and going, hey, you're awesome. But it's just, it's just fine. Like, it's got to be special. Like, right. That makes to- me
0: think of uh, the story, the director who did, um, oh shit, beat it. Right. When mm-hmm. Michael Jackson did the video. That's the one where he's stepping on the the squares. is that right? Yeah, I think it was beat it for that one where he's sure. dancing. he steps on yeah. these squares that are that light up as he goes. <laughs> and apparently the story behind that is uh Michael Jackson shows up one of the best performers in the entire world and he already has this huge dance routine already planned of what he was going to do in the video, but the director had this thing in his mind this iconic thing of him stepping specifically on these light up squares. So he had to convince Michael Jackson, (laughs) the best performer and dancer in the world to dance like he wants him to dance. And Michael Michael Jackson actually did it and it created one of the most iconic videos, like to this day, um, where he was able to shape that. I I do think that is the power of a producer uh, in it. I, with the song itself, I guess when you're in the studio, right? So if a band like we're, we're already talking about the next project that we're going to do together um, and you go into the studio, our process is a little different. I'm sorry, I'm I'm formulating the question as we go. Our process okay. is a little different because <laughs> I'm answering my question in my head already. We we are sending you stuff pre-hand. We're going to work out a lot of shit before we ever get in the studio. But let's say a band finds themselves in the studio, producers working with them, and he recognizes the song Maybe they sound good sonically, good singers, good players, but the song is
1: a two. Yeah. What do you do at that point? It's not the right song to record. No, oh, just say, hey, guys, no. If there is something to resuscitate from it, if there is, hey, the chorus is good, but these verses are dog shit. Yeah. You need to rewrite the verses. You know, if there's a good part of it, then it's it's worth keeping. Mm -hmm. but if it's fred's got slacks fred's got slacks fred's got slacks like i don't care how ripping the synth line is or how cool the drum part is like no one's gonna give a shit you know what i mean like it's just not and that's the hard part that's the the other point of having the producer is you have an objective third party that's not involved emotionally to go this is really cool you know I'm sure when you sent me 60 songs for the six we made for the EP right I'm sure I picked a couple where you're like really
0: that one <laughs> hell there was one I was con- trying to convince you guys in the studio to not finish I was like yeah. let's not finish one more fight yeah I did I I had an epiphany that it was terrible yeah. and but I'm glad you guys I'm glad I got outvoted in that point it's so funny because
1: I thought that song turned out great too
0: yeah it did it really did like in retrospect I look back it's like what the hell was I thinking you know Mm -hmm. So like maybe I was just trying to sabotage something at that point. Who knows? Or overthinking, maybe. Maybe You might have been
1: overthinking. You might have been going, well, now we have to bring a piano to the gig. And so I have to set that up. Who's going to play the (laughs) piano? Do I get to sing? Where is the pyro going to go? How am I going to have a piano with pyro and lasers? It's like, well, you don't have pyro or lasers. Why are you having this conversation? You're like, yeah, but what about when we have those? It's like, When we have it. (laughs) Yeah, when you have it, you'll probably have a crew that can set up whatever you want. So it'll be okay. (laughs) <laughs> um, unless you're putting like Roman candles on sticks in the background and having Daniel light them, like I don't know. Right. Yeah, I'll uh-huh. never
0: forget. I'll never forget where uh, a venue owner, I guess, was watching through security cameras in his back office, and Daniel lights up some sticks during the sound check on fire. He lights his sticks on fire and he runs out. No, you are not doing that. <laughs> and we're well, like, uh, maybe we should revisit this lighting shit on fire thing.
1: It's yeah, like do we need better songs if we have to use givens? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, and that's, honestly, that's a great point though. Getting back
0: to like the core of finding the 10, like there, I do, I do a lot of these, you know, solo cover gigs and I try to slip in songs I'm working on. And sometimes I don't even announce that it's my song. I just want to see like, will people start moving to it? Or do people stop and get attention or do they not care where it's like, it it has to be good like completely stripped away from all of that you know so
1: yep it you that's and the, and i think that's one of the strengths of nashville is most people are showing these songs off just them and an acoustic guitar right and so you'll you kind of know like mm. oh wow that is that's great you know right i can't wait to hear what that ends up being Versus the emotional response of like a band or good lighting or a loud PA, yeah, or well, people
0: forget that with all that shit and some alcohol, people will dance all night with the well, right, anything. like, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, you could, I, I've our keyboardist fronts his own band and sometimes I go out and back him on guitar. And there's times where if some, if people aren't paying attention, he just says
1: the craziest shit, like sings
0: it to them. And he'll just look over at me.
1: Like they're not, no one's noticing. They're just, it's the, it's the, the, the tester. You're like, are they paying it They're Okay. All right, cool.
0: It's hilarious. The first time we did it, I looked over him like, I was like, that was awesome. (laughs) And a great lesson and a great lesson. Maybe, maybe they're not all you know, working, uh, w- the way that we think they're working. Uh, when you do this songwriting piece, right. One thing you've talked about a lot is making sure that you're living a life as well, that, mm-hmm. that feeds into the songwriting as uh, obviously not the only purpose, but so the idea of, you know, locking yourself in a room and just writing all these fantastic tunes means you probably aren't living life that you can put into the songs themselves. I'm curious for you just on a personal note, what, what has, what's that discipline look like for you to ensure that in all the traveling and working, you're still living that life that you can now bring to the songs.
1: Yeah. uh, Work in progress (laughs) forever, forever. The balance of, how much work is too much work and how much life is too much life. And can you keep one hand on the wheel and also be a normal functioning human being? Um, you know, if you can find places that inspire you and things that inspire you, right. Um, you need your, like New York city for me is, is a place that inspires me. Um, the older I get, the less likely I am to live there, <laughs> but it's a place that you're, you're staying it, one day less each time. Is that what's happening? It's not one day less, but I just sit there and I go, if I ever want to have kids, are they, are we really doing this on like the subway and shit? Like, I just, I don't right. know. We're in a, in a best case scenario. I do really well. And I own a brownstone. Like that's, that's the peak of, of living, you know? Yeah. With a sliver uh-huh. of grass and yeah. Right next
0: sure. to you right by Washington Square
1: Park. You'll be all right. For sure. Would love to be in the village. Um, but it is a place that pulls a lot of inspiration out of me. And, and a lot of those trips that I take to New York, sometimes with people or with my girlfriend, or by myself, or whatever, um, I'll find myself just walking around by myself and just really like taking it in and and getting some of the city on my on my jeans right like that's that that's that's like uh it's it's this thought that i have a lot where it's like i need i need some of that grime and some of that like to wear home afterwards i like that. and there's so much history and there's so many things and it's so different it's so different than any other place in the united states um and so i go there when i need that like serotonin boost of like creativity right it's 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 a place where i can walk around you know the gated Gramercy Park and go what the fuck would it be like to own one of these houses and have a key to a park that no one can get into you know that'd be pretty cool like what a What's that like? You know, is that just, oh, that's generational wealth. You can, that's never, that's never attainable. Those houses don't come for sale. Those are passed down via estate, right? Um, But I think about those things and you see those things and you see these, like a candle in the window of one of these houses and going like, what's the story here? Hmm. Someone at some point did something awesome that led to this being someone's residence in a fucking crazy city right um and and that's what new york pulls out of me it just it gets my brain thinking in in a completely different perspective than anywhere else likewise like if you really want to be a good writer you have to travel you have to see stuff I am not going to name names, but I worked with an artist and their lyrics were the same Midwest bullshit of just like thinking too small. Right. It's just, it's just a very limited sample size of what you know, to be a life. And I'm not knocking I'm from the, I'm as Midwest as it gets, you know? I am a Chiefs fan and I eat steak and barbecue all the time. Like this is Amen. I am a, as Midwest as it gets. Um, but it's very small. And if you want to if you want to make art that's going to impact the world, you have to see some of the world. <laughs> if you want art that's going to impact your local community, you can stay in your local community, and that should be enough, you know. Right. And I think that I've kind of sold out to that idea, and it costs money to do it. And it costs money to travel and that's just that's the the tax for for getting to see and experience things but
0: but the other side of it though speaking to artists like you can actually get paid to travel if you go tour like and you're yeah. smart about it like right. that like for us that was one of the the great perks of touring it was experiencing all these different places you know and it it did change our perspectives, change the way we write the things we want to write about. So yeah, it does. Obviously it does cost money, but for artists who are listening to this, like if you're stuck in your town, like just go three hours, like (laughs) go play, go book some shows as a solo artist and sleep on people's couches.
1: That's an experience to write about. 100%. And what I, I don't know if I brought this up, but I I had consulted a band, the band no longer exists. So I'm happy to give this nugget out to the world they were complaining that they couldn't afford to go tour. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I completely understand it. It's expensive. Gas is expensive. Hotels are expensive. People are expensive. It's all expensive. Everything going outside of my apartment costs like a hundred dollars. Every time I go outside, like that's how it feels. <laughs> you um, just walk out. And- just immediately. I just and hand a hundred dollars to the air. And right I'm like, there. Yeah. See you later. Um, <laughs> And so, what I advised them, I was like, "Well, you know, you can play cover shows in your hometown for pretty decent money. Let's say three hundred dollars a night, times Friday, Saturday, maybe a Sunday fun day. I don't know. So let's just assume that it's, and you you pay yourself a little bit. So it's seven fifty a weekend of you just playing acoustic shows to make some money, right? Mm-hmm. You do it every weekend." So you're making three grand a month. That's paying yourself a little bit money. You have your day job and you're making three grand a month as a, as a musical entity. You do those acoustic shows, January, February, March, April, May. It's five months times three grand. How much money is that? It's $15,000. Okay. And during those five months, you book June, July, August, and September to just play as many shows and go to whatever city will have you for whatever cut of the door because you have 15 grand in the bank to just offset all of this, right? And you get through until it gets cold out and you come back home and you take the holidays off and you start January 1 again, right? But maybe this time, because you played all these shows and all these venues, maybe your guarantees go up a little bit. So now you only have to do Four months of the acoustic shows because you're maybe making more money from these other venues that you're going to go back and hit. Right. So now it's four months of acoustics, and you get to do all of that, and you get to stay in hotels and play shows and feel like you're doing it and grow and build the whole career. And you come home, and it's Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you start January one. Well, now you're actually getting a, an actual. Hey, we're going to pay you seven fifty to play our our venue. Right. We we think that you guys pull people. Bar bar tabs are good. 750 a show. Oh, awesome. Now I get to do 3 months and I get to be gone like and then eventually at some point you've built a career long enough to where you no longer have to do the acoustic stuff and now you're right. a full year musician. Well, and that's
0: a and, piece Sorry, go ahead. I I had a thought on that but sound like you're finishing.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and it 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 seems unattainable, but really it's just having a plan, looking at what you have in front of you and and committing and executing it and spending that 15 grand. And maybe one of those years you take 3000 of that and you record a couple songs or something like that. So you have something to sell or stream or whatever, like your, your, your economics or whatever you want it to be. But there is a plan built in, in three to five years where you were doing this full time. And I told them this and they're like, that's a great idea. They never did and it. That's where, and that's where it ended. <laughs> Well, and it's so the other piece of it,
0: too, like some of the strategies that they used and we're building upon again are that we used previously and that we're building upon again is if you go into the college market, now you're getting paid fifteen hundred to three thousand, sometimes five grand a show as a band to play on a Tuesday afternoon in a suburb of Chicago. And then you could book a club show and it doesn't matter how much you made that (laughs) at night at the club, you can take a risk and do that because you covered the nut and they provide food and they provide housing, like all those things. There's options out there, like for artists listening to do it where you know, one of the tracks we're working on now is doing like private events and doing some of these more built in crowd type uh, performances where it is pre- predominantly cover songs, but it gets you into new markets. And if you know how to grab a hold of fans like then you can continue to build something. I think that's the problem is people look at the covers thing as a waste of time where it's like, Mm -hmm. it's only a waste of time if you let it be because you can leverage the fuck out of it. And it's been, we're actually starting to remix like some of our old songs, trying to put like a dance vibe to them, like just fuck with them and Mm -hmm. sneak them into the sets and see how people react. And it's a really interesting you know, thing. It tells us like, oh, that worked and oh, that didn't. And I know other bands now uh, who are. There's a band called The Champagne uh, where they're doing the same thing, where they're starting to just test out original songs in these four-hour cover sets. And again, it's informing you in real time with real fucking people who could be your fans, you know. And
1: it's a data set. It's it is it is data and feedback. And mm-hmm. you know, I think the biggest where people fall apart in all of it is that they lose track of what they want to do because it can also be very uh, deceiving when you're, you're making five grand to play covers. You're like, well, fuck it. Let's just be a cover band and make five grand. And that can be okay. If that's what you want to do. If that's That's, what you want to do. Absolutely. That's completely fine. But if you're using that as as a mode to grow an original music career and you're doing sort of neither while having (laughs) these assets, like, well then I can then you're help. you're really yeah. fucked, man. <laughs> you really like you did this to yourself at that point. You know, use it as a either use it as the cool, this is awesome. We get to because you know, people who haven't been to to Nashville, right? Downtown Nashville, Broadway. There's 50 bars and they all have bands in them and from 10 a.m. until three in the morning. Incredible players, whatever. And it's not an indictment on them for some people. I know some personally, they're completely content with, Hey man, I get to play my guitar for eight hours a day. I do two shifts right. back. to back. I do 10 to four or 10 to 10 to two. And then, uh, two to six. He goes, I get to play my guitar for eight hours a day and provide for my family. Like it's better than a desk job. It's better than anything else I could do. Do yeah. I hate playing wagon wheel? I sure do. But like at the end of the day, like I get to make a living playing guitar. That's pretty cool, you know, and he's absolutely right. He is 100. And that is no judgment whatsoever. I would not be able to do that. Right. I I have such if that's the
0: end game for me. I'm the same way. If that's the end game, like I'll do that. And I, I have like that kind of level of stuff. But if that's the end game, I've already realized like it kills my soul.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that there's a part (laughs) of me that will no longer uh, be alive. And uh, that's sort of the whole point of all of this. The whole point of music for me when I picked up a guitar in 1996 was that I felt alive in a way that I had never felt before, right? Mm -hmm. And so if that tool then became a thing that made me feel less alive at some point, ouch, Like I've missed the boat completely. Right.
0: Um, well, and that's interesting because I remember early 20s, my first band, you know, in college. We eventually got like a little development deal thing in Nashville, and then it fell apart because people got married. You know, the the typical college band thing. I remember someone asking me why I was doing because I was working like two jobs, going to school, paying for school myself, trying to get my degree, and doing the band. They're like, "Why are you doing this?" And I. I had reflected a lot on that already at that point in my life. I remember saying, I was like, I am convinced that if I don't go down this path, I will not become the man I'm supposed to be. Yep. And damn, it's been a up and down. You've been there for a lot of it. Painful path. I even gave up on it. And what I found when I gave up on it is I found that conversation bouncing back in my, my head and realized I was dying inside. And so it's like, yeah, it's like going after that life. And I do know some people who are in like brilliant cover bands who are making like 10, 15 grand a night. And that's, they're actually extremely happy. There's no, like, they're like, this is the thing. Like, I love it. And it's like, that's great. I want to make that much money. (laughs) Absolutely. And I will, I'll go play those shows for that. Um, But for me, I still... I feel like I personally, and then if, if you're out there as an artist, don't let that story die in you. If you know, that's your story, like go after that thing. And, but the other fun part is when you do the cover band shit, like you were talking about, or the acoustic shit, it's like, now you're not digging holes eight hours a day. Now you're getting better at music. You're seeing what makes a good song. You're seeing the parts of the song that makes the crowd sing with you. You're seeing the beats that make people dance. You're testing out your own shit. Like there's so many benefits. And now you can fast forward, I think a little bit your career at that point, if you have the
1: right focus, if you have the right focus, it's it's it can become additive if you allow it to be right. So I and this makes this this conversation makes it sound like I just I write songs, and then I record my own. And that's all I I do for a living. (laughs) But one of the things that I picked up- And then up he hands
0: and, $100 bills to
1: people as he- I hand $100 bills when I walk outside. So if you're one of my neighbors, congratulations. Um, one of the things I do at, as part of this career is I run the playback for an art, for a country artist, big country artist named Sam Hunt. Mm-hmm. Playback is all of the backing tracks, Ableton stuff. So I handle you know, guitar amp changes. I send- what's called you know it's it's time code to the lighting console so that the lights are in sync with the song et cetera, et cetera. You're making me I emotional mean. i love hearing these kind of things i know you <laughs> do i know you do <laughs> um and so you know a couple people are like well isn't that going to take you away from hmm. nashville and you know the community and the songwriting and like you know nashville's big thing is you know must be present to win right and like you're going to be gone more like isn't that going to Screw with you a little bit. I was like, well, here's the thing. Number one, it's a salary gig. Number two, he plays around 50 shows a year, period, which is nothing in the grand scheme of of Nashville country touring people, right? Most, Most people are 120, 150 shows a year. And so this gig is like the sweet apex of like earning potential time spent right mm-hmm. which offers me a lot of flexibility in my life to pursue an artist career to have the the funds and means to be able to record my own stuff and and do stuff on a pretty regular schedule right um, but the other part of this and what they didn't understand in which i completely understood and i feel it even stronger now after this whole summer was i got to watch in real time 15 to 18,000 people losing their minds to different songs Mm. and every night I got to watch my boss who's a great dude I got to watch him and how he communicates with a crowd I got to watch how crowds respond to different parts of the songs there are songs that the band loves that I'm like it's fine that went over super well. And I was like, I need to adjust my thinking. There are songs that I love that the crowds were like, eh, that I'm like, this sounds, what are you stupid? What's wrong with you? Right. And I got, all
0: you, you the- wanted to stop the show for a second. And be like, let
1: me explain to like, you whole 18,000 people. Why yeah. you're wrong. Why you're like hit space bar and just put my mic in the house real quick. Hey guys, 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 you're not responding the way that you should. Um, but I got to watch this every night for mm. a whole, I mean, not every, but like four nights a week for a whole summer. Um, and that information, that perspective, that privileged seat that I got to have side stage for all of this is so informative mm. for me, for all the things that I'm trying to do me as a songwriter what kind what songs actually hit what songs when i look at a crowd and he holds his mic out and they're like like that whole thing right right um like which parts of which songs do people do that oh that's interesting i need to write more songs that have that sort of emotion or that sort of moment in it Mm -hmm. um like it's just it's a masterclass, and I got to I got to observe it while being paid, while also help facilitating it and grow this whole other skill set that I now have this year. Um, yeah, it it would. When it, I
0: think if artists really want, if you really want to look for that, there are opportunities. Maybe not at this moment for everybody to go with Sam Hunt on tour, but there's probably I know a kid who. Went to some other band that was already touring, and they weren't like big by any means. But he was just like, "Hey, could I go on the road with you and like change strings and shit?" And they like took him on the road. He was like twenty, so it didn't matter. He didn't. He slept on his parents' couch. It didn't matter. Right. And he told me, "He's like, man, I learned so much just by being there." And he made himself valuable. And then from there, like, continued to build things for himself and you build relationships
1: but- <clears throat> and, and and people. And I mean, just being out on this tour, it's like it was it was. Uh, Lily Rose, Brett Young, and Sam, it's like, I I helped Lily and her band with all of their backing tracks. Like, they're having issues with some of their stuff. And I was like, hey, here's what I know. Let me help you, like, get up to speed on this, right? Um, I've become really close friends with a lot of people in the Brett Young camp. Like, there are just so many relationships and interpersonal things that I now setting off into this artist career like this is all a community of people that like I'm gonna lean on or will champion me or we will work together on something or whatever you know what I mean it's like this is it, the network grows because of your involvement in it and it it can only help you and maybe I don't use any of these people I don't know I don't know where this whole thing is gonna land you know this may end up falling flat and like, it's just, oh yeah. I remember that time Josh put out a bunch of songs, like who cares? Um. But the, the interpersonal part of it is so strong that like, I now feel more than ever that I'm on the right path and doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Right. And I wouldn't have said that a year ago which is really interesting. I watch Sam every night and I go, this is not outside the realm of what I could do. He's earned it. He's 10 years in. He's his songs are massive 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 hits. He's what he is probably the best songwriter I've ever heard in my entire life and that's not hyperbole at all.
0: Opt to dive in. I haven't listened to country to be honest in a quite a while. I just got into Zach Bryan mm-hmm. and he's got that new song out um Shit, I can't remember the name, but like that led me down that rabbit hole. So maybe I need to just put Sam hunt on the next, uh, listening thing. Uh,
1: cause he just put out a song called came the closest. That is, it's one of those ass. songs, you know,
0: well, man, um, I, in that story, you know, you watching Sam hunt and you had that thought, like I could do this, you know, it takes me back all the way beginning of this conversation where someone planted a seed long ago that you believed and they told you a story that you believed that you couldn't do it and then finally that new sea got planted and now that you're feeding that story now and i i just recently saw an artist um share online why they don't do original music and it was this story that they told and i know it's a true story i know this person and the pain that they went through i've suffered some of those same pains and they broke down the business aspects so their conclu- it was like they told the whole story and their conclusion is that's why I no longer do this. And it was interesting as I screenshot it and I was like, I want to read this story because I feel like there's an answer in there somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the story and really just hearing a lot of this conversation today just reminds me like and for any other artists out there listening, it's like we will go up the direction of the stories we tell ourselves. And it comes 100 back to one <laughs> hundred
1: fucking percent, bro. Your reality is based off of how you talk to yourself, and that is it. Oh yeah, period. period. Oh, if yeah. you're like, uh, I'm pretty good for like a local band. Guess what? You're gonna be pretty good for a local band. Congratulations, you know. Well, fucking done. So
0: I think we've had a conversation around. um, We're talking about how we view ourselves, how we talk to ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. one of the quotes, I have a whiteboard right next to my desk. And one of the things says that's a reminder to myself is like your success is largely dependent on how you view yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's be I've I've seen it be so true. I uh, have a lot of conversations around with other artists about like the secret and you know, speaking things, manifestation. I think you and I have had these conversations. Um I'm curious what that looks like for you. what your thoughts are on that whole thing?
1: Yeah, um so I, I want I, I want to start it by saying part of the fuel that came onto this fire um, was from our drum tech out on the road, a dear someone who has become very dear and close to my heart, Benji Worley. Um, who is drum tech for everyone? Eminem, The Strokes, ever like, nice. dude is a veteran of 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 everything music, and he's one of the smartest people I know. And it started there because he was. I played him the song, and he has become such a champion of mine that all it did was reinforce the very quiet voice in my head. Right, I'll the very a quiet version. Louder. Of me. The very quiet version is like, you might be able to do it. And then he's like, bro, I've played this song for my fiance, her family. And they're all just like, this is one of the best songs we've ever heard ever, period. He's like, you're going to be a superstar. You are You are already a superstar. Which is awkward to hear at first. But it gave validity to how I was speaking to myself quietly. Mm. And that voice got a little bit louder internally and a little bit louder internally. And it wasn't as loud when I sang the vocal on let me let you go, but it was really loud when I sang the vocal on ghost town and guess what? The vocal on ghost town is it's not just I'm the happiest I've been with something I've sang. I'm, I legitimately am like, I sound great. This sounds, this sounds great. You know? I am a fucking star Um, and not in a cocky way and not in because this is always the hardest part, right? Self-belief can Mm -hmm. look like ego very quickly, right? There is a switch somewhere in there between you think your shit doesn't stink and everyone should take a whiff, right?
0: Well, with your story, you also have a lot of little steps that have built to that point too, where I think sometimes and i think that's the tricky part is when you don't when someone's out there and they don't have any history to even look back on like how do you believe in yourself as well but at least for you you can point and say well no i did this and this and this these things have built to where i can say i am a star like i can go this direction
1: and i knew already i wasn't bad at music (laughs) right that got answered i think that's been proven
0: i think that's been proven
1: the track record already speaks for itself and I don't have to have that question answered for myself. Right. right. The lingering thing was, but can I do it? Hmm. That was the question that did not have an answer hmm. know that I'm capable of making good sounding records. I'm capable of writing great songs. I'm capable of writing songs that people care about and want to sing back to you. I'm capable of all of these things, but what am I capable of doing it? If I am the mouthpiece. That is Hmm. the one question that I did not have an answer to until recently. Um, and I wake up every day, the most excited I've been about music, I think ever, honestly, probably since picking up a guitar and playing ever long in my parents' basement, right? Like in the late nineties, like ever since then, that aha or playing along with Dave Matthews, like figuring out some Dave Matthews songs or whatever. I haven't felt like this in 20 years. Yeah. to where I am the most terrified, the most sure of myself, the least judgmental of myself, the most optimistic about where things can go. Hmm. Um, And I, by nature, am not a pessimist. I'm an optimist by nature, but I'm a realist by nature. I'm a, your idea is great, but it's just an idea. How do you make it a thing, you know? Right. And so much of this renewed sense of self has come from how I speak to myself. So much of it has come from me going, it is not impossible. I've already put this. Is, this is internal speak. So I'm just going to say it because because this is it's a safe place to do this. But um, I had a couple thoughts this summer where I was like. Why wouldn't I be just opening these shows for Sam? I'm already on the payroll. I'm already. Like working his show. I'll do the first slot. You can pay me three grand to get up there acoustic and, and win this crowd over. Like I would do that in a heartbeat. I was like, and then I sat there and I was like, I'm going to do that. That's going to happen. And then I sat there and I was like, there's a song of his that I love that he will never play anymore because it's, it's reflective of like a tough time in his, his life that he just, he cut it from the set list, but it's a, it's a, it's a crowd favorite. And I was like, yeah, furthermore, I'm going to fucking do that song. And that's how I'm going to win the crowd over. And every night, They're going to get to hear that song because I'm going to do it. And that's what like. I love this guy. And I'll tell the whole story. I'll tell the narrative of like, Hey, I'm, I'm unbelievably lucky to be here because I get to actually work this show an hour from now. Once I get done with it, you'll see me, this guy that you like his songs side stage with my headphones on running the show, you know? Um, and I just felt it. I li- I sat there and I was like, that's what's going to happen. I have no data to prove that. I have no conversations to prove that. I have nothing other than the voice in my head and the pull that I feel of the gravity of whatever the universe is trying to do right now. Right. That says, this is where you're headed, my guy. And so I'm just getting out of the way. I'm like, all right, well, then that means I have to record some songs. Okay. Well, that means I need to take promo photos. Ugh. My least favorite thing of all time. I'm still using. Pro- you asked for one this morning. You text me. Hey, can you send me some bio photos? I'm like, can I use the one from 2012 that I've been using for for I think I still have that one on file then. <laughs> yeah. The one with the brick background with me and the. Yeah, I think so.
0: From from the last one, I think is what I what I use. Then I'll just go steal something off your Facebook or something after that <laughs> for the second
1: one. <laughs> I've got I've got stuff to send you. Um It's like, I have to do that. Okay. I haven't started a TikTok. That's a whole separate conversation about being strategic right now is I Mm. wanted to start a couple weeks out, which I was going to start already, but the, uh, the black eye was pretty prevalent. I didn't want to set a precedent of like, who is this guy that gets in fights? That's also singing about his emotions. Um, if you're doing songs like son of a bitch or something like that, you know, then you're you're good to go. It's perfect. uh, yeah, no, here's a song about my feelings and about a relationship. Um,
0: <laughs> well, and I, I love that, though. It's It sounds like you've learned how to fan the flame of that that voice that was actually saying, yes, you could do it. Um, and then I think the reality is where there's some people who just sit in a room thinking, I'm going to do this. They have their vision board, but they don't take the They don't ask themselves, OK, if I'm going to end up there, what should I do right now? right? You don't know what the whole thing looks like. You don't know how that's going to happen, but here's this next thing I can do. And here's this next
1: thing I can do. And it keeps growing and growing. It does. Yeah. And it, it, bro, I have no, I have no idea. Look, I have, I'm very lucky in this life to have made friends and had a lot of relationships with some pretty noteworthy and important people, you know? I have no idea who's going to champion me the second it comes out. I don't know where that stuff's going to go. I don't know that 3 days in I'm going to get a phone call from a label going, "Hey, we really like this song. What else do you have?" and I'm like, "Oh, right. here's my rollout plan for 2024." Like I I'm leaving all of those options available, but I know that like I'm not on the outside looking in. I'm on the inside starting. Right. I'm starting on third base already. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, and it's my job to just be the fullest version of myself. And, you know, you said something very powerful that you didn't even realize that you said earlier, which was you wanted to talk to your fans, mm-hmm. like have the conversation, reconnect with them and talk to them. Right. right? And I'm sorry. You said talk with them. You wanted, oh, yeah, to talk- reconnect and talk with them. Yeah, you said talk with them. This this is very important, right? Because part of, and now your voice was actually in my head when I when I started to go down this path a little bit, which was I wanted to tell the story of how I got here, right, mm-hmm. to this exact moment. But I wanted to talk with people, not talk at them. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where get, a lot of artists get it a little mixed up. They yeah. do the like. Hey guys, I'm super excited to talk about my new single. Let me let you go. It's hitting all the DSPs November 29th. Make sure you save pre-sale. hit follow, do all the things <laughs> like people know you're fucking marketing to them at that time. They right. don't care at that point. Absolutely. They, they scroll and they get bombarded with it every day, 500 times a day. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we have a problem with our phones. Right. So your voice was in my head where I was like, I want to have conversations with people. Mm-hmm. I want to let people hear the actual journey of all of this. And so I'm doing something pretty different.
0: <laughs> I'm I trying, love it though.
1: I love I'm it. am trying it. So, so one of the things that really stuck out to me a couple of years ago, uh, a very famous, uh, entrepreneur, restaurateur, David Chang did a podcast called "Pre-Opening diaries of his restaurant in Los Angeles called major Domo. And so is this like six or seven podcasts about like, okay, we've decided we're opening in LA now what? <laughs> and like putting together the menu finding a test kitchen in LA. Do you start cooking this stuff and making sure that, can we do this? Can we do a, they have this duck dish there where it's like, it's a peaking duck and then they break down the duck at the table. So you get all of the duck meat and the, Oh wow. And everything. And then, um, they scrape all of the extra meat off of the carcass and put it into like a duck fried rice at the table. It's just whole, mm. it's a whole journey of shit. Right but I found it super interesting to hear the process of like signing the lease where in LA are we going to go? Oh, I found this really cool place here. Oh shit. It fell through. All right, let's go find this place. Right. I found it so fascinating because you don't get to hear that part of it. You just see David Chang from Mama Fuku opens new restaurant in LA. And then all of a sudden there's a eight month wait. And so using, you know, that as my model, and your voice in my head about having conversations, I was like, okay, what can I do hmm. that's a little different that can maybe get ahead of this? And so I thought I would love to tell sort of a three part story of this song. And part one, which is already up on Spotify currently, is a behind the scenes of like, well, ha- part one is how did I get here? Right. Yeah, I've been doing, for those, for anyone that doesn't know me, Here's all the music shit that I've done for the last 20 years. Here is the story from back in July where all of a sudden things felt a little different. And here's what I've been operating with ever since, right? That's part one. Part two comes out this Friday. That is the songwriting part of the song, right? Who did I write it with? Why did we write this song? What was my headspace in writing this song? Um, why did I feel like this song need be written? You know, like yeah. what was I going through that? Like, Hey, this really hits home. Right. Part three drops the week before the song comes out. And that is the making of the song. Who, who are my friends that I, that I trusted and coerced into recording the song for me? Um, which favors did I pull? Like here are, here's the laundry list of incredible people that without these people, um, this song would never exist. And here's how I used, you know, like the guy that mixed it, Jeff Braun, very close friend of mine, we play basketball together. He mixes everyone's records. He's a, he is so much more expensive than what he charges me because we're friends and because i'm I'm an independent artist. Um but that's because of our relationship for years, right? So I tell those stories and like the recording of the song and the mixing of the song and the mastering of the song and, here we go, you know? And so right. telling these parts of the story, I think is important for people to buy into me. If you don't know me, I have friends right. that go, Oh, we love Josh. I love that. He's doing this. We support him hundred percent. Great. But for the people that don't, or that are going to discover me or hear this song or whatever, to be able to jump back into it and go, Oh, interesting. He put out this whole like prequel, Right, telling the story of the song, that's really compelling and interesting. It makes the way
0: people. I I think the way people consume content now. I mean, they find an artist or they find a comedian, they find somebody on TikTok because they like this thing, right? Then they go and check out their feed, and they're like, oh, they have some interesting content, and and so that you start going further and further down that rabbit hole, where then they go check out your music. And then if you have something unique there like that where they hear like you said it becomes that full prequel that now they're 100% bought in where you're you're finding those you know in the the crowd of you know 18,000 people where you're opening that night they don't know who you are it's the first night maybe yep. you grab a few hundred of them you know, right. You're not going to get the 18,000 necessarily, but you may grab a few hundred of them. And they go deep. And now you have these raging fans that love everything you do. And they're the ones who become your heralds at that point.
1: Well, and ultimately they're buying into you, not just yes. the
0: song. Right. And I think
1: that that's a really important distinction because, you know, people buy, they may not love every song that you put out, but if they like you yeah they're gonna find something about it they like
0: and what um, you stand for and what you believe in you know like i think about foo fighters like i i haven't listened i've listened to their albums there hasn't been a lot of tracks of their newer stuff that i've been like oh wow but if you ask me if i'm still a foo fighters fan like fuck yeah i am am i gonna buy their shit am i gonna listen to the next thing they put out it's like yeah there's something that connects with me about who that band is and who Dave Rowe is. Yeah.
1: You, know? you you found yourself aligning with how they want to go about it. And whether you like right. the art or not, right. You can still listen and go, Ah, oh, this song's probably not for me, but I still love that. They're doing it. And I love, yeah. the-
0: and I'm still going to these- listen to a whole damn album.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: To be honest, Donda, I couldn't get through the whole album. I'm a big Kanye fan, but Donda was was just too fucking long and it lost me. (laughs) (laughs) me, I had to throw that out there.
1: (laughs) That was a tough, that was a tough tough listen. listen. Yeah, I I was pretty much, Yeezus was the last one where I was deep. And then after that, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. Uh, Life of Pablo did not do it for me. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, Um, sorry. (laughs)
0: We'll we'll talk about that next time we're in. uh, For sure. For <laughs> sure. um,
1: and so so it's it's two the the strategy if you want to call it that is twofold number one it's it's the handshake of hey nice to meet you my name's josh right let, let me get you all of my favorite movies they don't tell you who you are who they are at the beginning you're caught up in the middle of the story and you have to sort of piece it together very quickly right um and so hi i'm josh right and then the other part of the strategy is I really love Let Me Let You Go. I love this song. I think that this song can do a lot of good for people. I think mm-hmm. that it, it touches, you know, it, it's a song I wrote about that moment with an ex. They know when you're about to get over you, when you're about to get over them, and that's when they hit you up. Like it is, it's a tale as old as time. The second that you were like, I think I'm good, they're like, Are you sure? Because I'm right here. And you're like, what the fuck is happening? My whole fucking world. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, So I think the song can be really uh, important to people because that's the whole point of songs to give language to people that can otherwise not express those things. And I love this song so much. I didn't want it to die in the fodder of the Spotify algorithm for your first release, because the first thing you put out always just gets chewed up and they're like, that's cool. What do you got next now, kid? Thanks. Hmm. And so I thought by putting these three tracks out, one that's 13 minutes, one that's eight minutes, one that's 11 minutes or whatever, and putting it on a schedule of release, Spotify might actually, not destroy this song (laughs) when it comes out, you know, it's also allowed me to grow a follower count. That's almost at a hundred followers right now on Spotify that perhaps will allow, because I think that's the threshold. If you get over a hundred followers, you're in like the 2% of Spotify artists artists, right? Really? Yeah. It's the, the the bar is that low.
0: That's wild. I did not know that number. I am baffled.
1: Yeah, because we, we think of it as like, oh, unless I have a million, like I haven't done it, right. but it, because so many people put out so much music, the actual line of demarcation is a hundred followers.
0: No shit. That's, I just heard that if any podcast gets past 20 episodes, you're in like the top 5% of podcasts at that point. I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? Cause I like, look at people who have like 500 podcasts. I'm like, all right, that's the goal. <laughs>
1: yeah. No. No, 20 it's bro. It's so much. It's so everything, (laughs) everything in life is so much less than we give it credit for. Right. Um, so if I can hit that mark before the song comes out, it's like, can I, am I eligible for playlists? Like just all of these things where it's like, Hey, all it takes is the right playlist person to go. I really like this song. I think this would fit well on our thing. And it's like, there's a hundred thousand streams just from being on that playlist. Right. Right.
0: Well and uh there's a guy named uh XJ Will does a lot in the licensing world. Um that was on the podcast and he he has this term called the habit of music where he's like he's like I feel like most artists act like they're addicted to like cocaine. They're not even thinking and they just like create a track and then throw it out into the ether. They have no plan, they have no focus, no anything. They just and they just rinse and repeat the same thing over and over again. And you know, for you, you have this clear, like plan, you know, ways to like leverage what's out there. We have, there's a ton of tools for people and it's a unique creative way. It's, it, when I saw you do that and I listened to that first episode, I was like, damn, this is great. This is brilliant. I love the story. I love like the bring it, That's, that's the like stuff. I said, that's why I love artists is like typically want to know like who they are, what they stand for, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it got my brain turning, man, where I'm like, how can we leverage a similar strategy? Cause I, I did this, I'm going to, I'm going to be stealing some
1: of that ideas. My, my man, you're, you're, (laughs) you're welcome to have it. I, and I don't know if it's going to work or not. You know what I mean? Time will tell. I think that it's already worked just based on what you're saying. Oh, yeah. your takeaway from that was like, I already know Josh well, and getting to know this story makes me excited for what he's going to put out. Absolutely. And I think even like, let's say I rate no because the numbers
0: show that there's more than 10 people. Let's say only 10 people listen to it right now. As you continue to progress, there's going to be people that start going deep Mm -hmm. into the fandom. And it will continue. It'll be an asset sitting there that will continue to bring value uh, to others and to you as you move forward. I absolutely
1: think that and believe that. I do t- I do too and it's sort of it's shaped how I'm I'm approaching this career whatever this career is going to be um I recognize so it's it's twofold number 1 I sort of hate that music has just become content to mm-hmm. consume and and then just kind of like shit out you know right I'm trying to put more importance on a song and just the song being great like that that is enough that we don't have to trick people into whatever because it's content and it just needs to be consumed and thrown away but not also overly precious with it where it's like have you heard my one song for a year you know (laughs) so i recognize that people need to be fed but also i don't want to Uh, devalue the thing that I'm making Mm -hmm. and so to do that is tricky right it's a difficult balance Um, and so my strategy with it is I want to do things that I can stand behind and that are repeatable for me and one of those things is these like pre-opening diaries behind the scenes that took me exactly 20 minutes to record all or 30 minutes to record all those I did them in one takes I just talked I talk on a podcast once a week, I'm no stranger to pontificating on a microphone. This isn't that hard for me to do. Um, and the value was really easy after that. I was like, man, that was, I think, a repeatable thing that I can do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that will feed Spotify's algorithm of consistent releases. And it will tell the stories that I want to tell about these songs. Right. So I think that that's going to be something that I'm going to continue with every big release. I'm going to do one for ghost town. I'm going to do one for, I don't know what I'm going to call the third song yet. I'm still working on the title. I know it's too long of a title. I got to shorten it doesn't matter. Um,
0: <laughs> well, it's but, a great, great strategy, man.
1: I love it. And then on the in-between because I'm a songwriter and because I have dozens of songs cut by other artists, I'm going to record quick little acoustic versions. I'm going to do them well, but I'm, but they're not going to take a ton of production or time out of my schedule to do them, but of me singing them. And so you'll have my acoustic coffee shop version of all the other songs that other people have cut. So you have that, so you can be like, oh, I love that song that Chris Young cut that he wrote, but then you'll have my version. So that's cool because then you're buying into me as the songwriter and the artist, mm-hmm. but also strategically it's another release to feed the algorithm. So that's great. And then strategically, because it's acoustic versions, it can end up on other like coffee shop mixes and acoustic stuff and whatever, which can get way different eyes on me as an artist than other playlists would. It can Absolutely. go into way di- different places and, and, and Starbucks and things that I would never be able to do with my actual like full band production releases. And those are all streams that can kind of just, or channels that can just all feed back into themselves that don't feel hard for me to do. You know, I right. think that's part of this whole content creation bullshit, which is like, I have to do another 15 TikToks. And I gotta record more songs. I don't have money to record songs. But even if I did have the money to record songs, it fucking takes nine months to record songs. So what am I supposed to put out in the intro? Can we do one now and then sit on the other eight? Is that okay? Like fuck like how am I supposed to this but this is all this is all real shit that everyone feels all the time. and I'm just looking at this going, what Here's what I'm great at. What can I do that that tells the correct story of things that i've I'm already proud of? that I can do. Um, Well, we'll see.
0: I, it's great strategies. This is great stories. I think a lot of helpful things in there. Um, I'm, I'm smiling right now because I had some questions I wanted to ask briefly after we got off the podcast, but now I'm just kind of like off of what you just said. I'm just like, fuck it. Let's just put it on the podcast. Come on. I'm kind of turning the tables and making a little bit about me at this point, but I I was like, maybe it's helpful to other people as well because you're talking about this content piece and we're talking about rewinding all the way to overthinking it really what, where I've been thinking I haven't had a chance to talk with you where I'm like, Part of me doesn't even want to wait till I can afford to do like the six songs and we all go down to Nashville. I was like, I just want to fucking start getting some songs out. I I I really do. Like if I knew how to produce really well, which I don't, I think I've got it slightly better. I don't know. You're gonna you're about to hear the shit and you'll be like, that's disgusting go.
1: <laughs> but I'm sure it's better. It's got to be better. I uh,
0: yes <laughs> maybe <laughs> nonetheless nonetheless um I was curious from your perspective. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to formulate, I had uh, like several streams going in there in my brain. So for me, I just, I want to figure out a way to start getting regular releases. Like we got a song, it's not over, uh, that's getting mixed right now. It's been kind of a long process to get there. Um, want to get that out, but basically we, before dropping that, we were like, let's re-engage our fans. We got to come back to our fans and re-engage them you know, before actually throwing this other thing out into the ether. I didn't want to do what what I said earlier some bands do, right? And which has been going well. Like we're starting to reconnect with fans, get people messaging us, seeing those kind of things slowly grow back. Um, but after that, so I'm thinking like February-ish, it's not over, drops. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to be able to do a song in like March or April. And we, we're yeah. already working on it. So there's a few in there that I think might be good enough if we start crafting it, get your input, all those kind of things. Um, do you think trying to do that? Like, even if it's like one song at a time, do you find that, would you find that to be effective? Yes. The
1: the answer is yes. Um, the panic mode is great. We do, we do one, right? Let's say January, let's say January we record one, right? Right. And you have it in hand because at this point and I can't stress to you recording processes should be quick. Like, right. This should not be a six month ordeal to get a song done. Right. If you have a clear, clear idea of what you're trying to do and you are engaged while the making of the song is happening. So it's not veering down a a way that you're like, "Ah, I don't know about that. That sounds like a salsa song now. Um, It's you should be able to get the stuff back pretty quickly. Right. Right. So, The song can only help you having it in hand and ready to go, period. Right. All it takes is one, man. All it takes is one right song at the right time, catching the right wind, and all of your odds change drastically. So the answer is yes. One song is great. Where people hyperventilate afterwards is cool. We did one in January. It comes out in, say, April. But then what? Yeah, that's just for me. All- I want I want to be able to
0: have. That's one reason where it's like, as you know, I like writing in big collections. You know, right now as a band, we probably have like five or six, uh, whereas nowhere near what I'm used to having in that. But even Daniel and I, we're, our season of performing has slowed down, so we're planning right. on going in for like maybe two weeks and just him and I because we're getting a really good synergy from there. Um, and a lot of the band has mm-hmm. given feedback they are like, when you have the song nailed and the drums nailed, they're like, it makes our lives way easier to come in and figure out totally. like, you know, so we're actually planning on doing like full days, like just going at it and get some of those things. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that yeah, will be and I would
1: say in the I, process. I would say to, to encourage you in that process, finish the ideas. Don't just have, yeah. oh, that was a cool a little snippet snippet of things like, right. If you'd go down, if something is really feeling inspiring, be like, "Cool, what would the verse be like?" Well, it'd be, I would want to play this, or hey, I right. should do this. Like, map it and be done with it, and then fill in the gaps afterwards. You may not well, have to have all the melodies, but like having the roadmap mm-hmm. way better than just having a cool idea that then we're going to try to flesh into a song because you'll you'll get right. off course very quickly. And that is um, what
0: we're the the ones I'll send you will probably be like mid next week. Um, Cause there's just a few parts that guys need to lay down. They haven't had a chance yet of what they're thinking yep. right now. Currently Um is we are trying to do that. Like start to finish like, Hey, this is how, this is the way we think it should flow. <laughs> um, how do yeah, we have, cause
1: can we edit this down or whatever? Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause then, then it's easier I think to, cause yeah, I got in that part where there was a season where I was just so afraid to fucking write. For some reason that I just started like every day, I was like, today, I'm going to write something, even if it's just like a thing. Um, But then it was finally like, no, it's time. Um, And if that hits on another question I had, and I wonder if there's other artists out there thinking the same thing is, um, you know, I've heard some producers say where they're like, I just have artists write a verse, chorus, and first verse and a chorus and then move on first person chorus and move on because they were like, we don't even know if it's going to be good. I don't want them wasting their time on that. What's your thought on that theory?
1: That sounds like something a songwriter would say, not a producer, a producer should be working with already a finished song. Gotcha. Um, But maybe it
0: was, it was like, uh, I can't even remember who it was. I saw a video of it. So obviously it was probably a songwriter. No,
1: I mean, I'm sure there's credibility in that. Um, if it were me, even if verse two, because right, verse two is like always the bane of my existence. Just as a as an aside, like I can hyper focus on a chorus, and I can hyper focus on how to start a song and get right. verse one, and then verse two, I've, I'm like, I already blew my load. Like this is how do I reiterate <laughs> what I just already said in the verse, telling the story, and the chorus summing up the story right now now do I go also just kidding also this piece of information and song again (laughs) so first two has always been my problem but you know the best songs like again if you map it better right if it's a song Mm -hmm. called let's just say Brooklyn Bridge for for all intents and purposes even though I know how the song goes let's say the chorus is about the bridge it's like well One way to map it would be verse one is about being in New York city for the first time and seeing how big that bridge is, right. Or the significance of the bridge and verse two could be, Hey, the person I love is on the other side of that bridge, you know, or Mm, a whole different life of mine is on the the bridge. Right. So it's like the bridge is still the focal point and how you write about the bridge is still the focal point. But now you're telling, you're telling two different perspectives about it without even writing any of the lyrics right now. It's just trying to map it and go, no, this is good. the easiest way to not have a hiccup to when you get to verse two, you're like, I don't know what to fucking what say. The fuck? no, I'm in New York. It's <laughs> the bridge. What do you want from me? You know, the old men that built it. Like, what do you want me to say right now? You know? Right. But if you plan it ahead of time, you can kind of see how you're going to point towards this chorus ahead of time and so that's to me songwriting is storytelling it's it's knowing in lord of the rings like he's gonna throw the ring into the spoiler alert like he's gonna throw it into the volcano like how do you whoops sorry if you haven't you watched just fuck somebody's to, day up you. bro <laughs> welcome to the 20th and 21st centuries welcome we're happy to have you um but it's like if you know how it ends you can tell you it almost doesn't matter what you say as long as you know how you're going to sum the whole thing up. Right. Right. You can have them go through a lot of different trials and tribulations and whatever. And Mm -hmm. I look at songs the same way. I have this emotion that I want to want to tell. Right. So like, let, let me let you go. Verse one um, is the moment. Like the very first line is, I see your name light up my phone again, right? That's the very first line of the song. So what have I told you in that one line? I already know who this is. Mm-hmm. I I, have some sort of relationship with this person in some sort of way. And because of the mood of the song and it's kind of like sad sounding, it's like, this is probably not a good thing that this happened. Right. Uh, verse two is, I can tell you're only looking for attention, right? So I'm, I'm putting even more context of why this person is calling me after, after I've, I've told them, let me let you go. Like I'm, you already left and I'm not, you know, like, let me let you go. Right. Mm. I'm now giving context into this person of like, I know what you're doing right now. Verse one is the action of it happening. Fuck. Why, why are they calling? Uh, Arthur <laughs> fist. Right. Mm. Right. And then verse 2 is like the recognizing of like I know what you're doing. I, I, I you're doing this because you want attention. You're doing this because you feel me moving on. You you're, you you can smell it, you can sniff it out in the air and so that's why you're coming back around. But let me let you go, you know? Yeah. Like that both of those things point towards the same chorus and we right. mapped them out before we wrote any of it, you that's know? Brilliant. All I had was all I had was the title and then we mapped it and then we wrote the chorus and then we wrote the verses to look at it. And so, you know, sure, having a chorus and a verse one is cool, but like you, you might get stuck. You might not know how to right. land that ship. You might, you might have written your way out of. Yeah. As a story, a not even compelling enough to do an act two,
0: you know, uh, at that point. Well, it's funny. Yeah. I always struggle. I felt like I struggle with bridges and now most of the time I just go off of everything I learned in the studio with you where it's like, "Oh, the bridge, I'm just going to remix some shit that happened earlier."
1: <laughs> cuz I We're would take vocal fucking... from over here and throw it over here. Not a big yeah. deal. Yeah. You know, change it a little
0: bit. Um that's a great breakdown of it, man. Well, that's cool cuz honestly, that's one of the pers- one of the directions I wanted to go. My business mind wants to do all the things at once because it's economically like if we're going to go to Nashville or you're going to come out here it makes more sense but like in reality just the funds aren't there for it and so it's like how do we keep this how do we keep the ball rolling um for what we're trying to build because we we have the strategies in action now for then sure. but it's like we got to be ready for then.
1: <laughs> so sure. yeah i mean that is the linchpin. It, I mean, it sucks. I hate. I hate that everything comes down to financial flexibility to do it. Right. It really, it really that is the barrier of entry, and which is such bullshit because there are so many startups that get millions of dollars invested on an idea with right. no follow through because they think the idea is great, and yet you have a proven track record of like work. And you're just looking for like extra content and stuff to deliver deliverables. Right. And they're like, ah, sorry, that's a risky investment. Like we can't, you know, it just, it's so, <laughs> it it's so counterintuitive. It's so it's, it's the hardest part. And it, it know, is it, part of the, on my, on my
0: worst days, it feels the money situation sometimes can feel debilitating yeah. on my best days. It's a reminder that it is part of the process, though, because I think some of it—it's caused us in the band to figure out. Because three of the five members are full-time musicians in our band, yeah. So the choices we make, really, it's not just for you know the music piece. It's like, oh, we're paying for all of our shit, and two of us have kids, you know, all that kind of reality. So it forces like, but we know this is the path we're supposed to be on. So force new strategies and those strategies yep. have been making us better musicians, have been making us smarter at business, at marketing, at building new relationships over they're about to open up new markets. Just got an email today that like it might be opening up a whole new market for us that we wouldn't have gone down those paths if we didn't also yep. need that extra resources. If someone went to drop cash in our in our lap at that moment, we wouldn't have gone down those paths we would just would have sure. recorded. Maybe the that path would have been great too. <laughs> Could have been fun. But I mean,
1: sound, Sounds awesome. I mean, if someone wants to drop a whole bunch of cash on me, I'm happy to use it. That's fine.
0: Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I, I won't turn it down just to throw that out into the universe as well. But I do think, at least at this moment, it feels like part of that critical process of of developing where you're, where I think and where we're working to be, I guess is the best way to say it.
1: Yeah, and it's it's the you know learning that the juice is worth the squeeze, learning the value of the dollar, learning the value of where the money is going for what what part of what you're trying to do, you know? Right? Um, and you're you're absolutely right. The economics of the economics of music are just tough because it's like there's it's it's time and resources. Like that's really all it is. It's not. Yeah. And expertise. I mean, that's the other part of it is like, but you, you paying a per song rate, it's like you're, you're saying, Josh, you're going to make this sound like a record record, right? Not just like right. slightly better than what we can do ourselves.
0: Because <laughs> right. It's like, cause I got logic I just, and yeah. I got, I got a scarlet, whatever, you know, we, yeah, we can make this much shit. Much yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we've all heard those demos. So, well, we, you we and have, I have heard those have.
1: demos. Yeah. You and I, and that's, that's all, that's, that's all that we'll hear this. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, I don't have to explain that to you. You you understand that, but
0: well, and um, I think it it is a good thing for anyone who may still be listening to us. We're almost two hours in uh, <laughs> at this point, but it's for any artist who might be listening, that investment is huge to, you know, what we did with how to start a fire that opened up so many doors. You know, and it, it was a long process to get. It was over two years of strategy and uh, financial investment, all those things to get us there. But man, when it did fire, it it opened a lot of it doors. It did,
1: and it was it was it was a much higher ROI than what the weekend was, right? The, which that, was
0: the album we did put a lot of money into, or strategy, or anything. <laughs>
1: And, and, and it, and it's not like you get what you pay for, but you know, it is harder. We, we did 10 songs in two days and it was like the, the vocal yeah. take is the vocal take. The baseline is the baseline. The drums are the drums. I you will do the best I can possibly do, but. The, Absolutely. The, you know, and I think even in that moment, I was like, it may be advantageous to just do two songs. Oh, yeah. It's you better, told me and you're like, we're going to do 10.
0: <laughs> oh, believe me. I tell that story all the time when when artists are like, should I like get a professional to master this or should I get? And I'm like, let me tell you a story <laughs> about wasting money <laughs> and time uh, that I did and won't do again. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I remember because I was living in L.A. at that point. I think right? so. I had come back or just moved to LA because I think I was editing your vocals when I was in my two-bedroom apartment in Los Angeles, just sitting on the floor like on my laptop, editing your vocal and tuning your vocal. I think I have like a distinct memory of that. And you
0: were probably thinking, Um, man, this guy should not have sang 10 songs in two days. (laughs) I think you had a cold too. Yeah, probably. And we probably started at 10 p.m. because we were trying to make the most of you know, waggy studio waggy, right <laughs> out there. So,
1: well, and you, you needed songs to sing over. So, we had to cut all the drums and cut all the bass and cut all, you know, it's like you had to have all this stuff done. And it's like, all right, you get four hours to sing tonight. Here you go. Yeah. Go for oh, it. Yeah.
0: Where now we learn where sometimes just better, yeah, put the time and investment. So, well, um, let everyone know how to connect with you, how to connect with your music. Uh, that's going to be dropping soon
1: sure yeah uh instagram at joshua gleve g-l-e-a-v-e can find me joshua gleve on spotify apple music uh anywhere you find anything is where i will be except for tiktok i've been uh waiting until my eye heals and then i am diving full into being obnoxious on tiktok uh and to what i call obnoxious which is just posting every day because i have a disdain for all things social media. Uh, but I recognize the tool and the power and it's direct to customer. And if I'm, a, if I'm a business and I'm on Shark Tank and they go, well, why aren't you selling direct to customer? And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't have any. Oh, TikTok is direct to customer. Like that is where people are. That is where I will go. Uh, but I also wanted to wait to start it until I was I had the correct assets in hand to be able to be both authentically myself and not go, hey, I got this thing coming. I don't have any artwork or anything to show you right now. So now it's just a guy talking. Um, but I also know that your first couple weeks of having a TikTok are the most important. So I don't know what that handle will be, but you'll be able to find me there at some point. And that's it. That is really it. You can do whatever with that.
0: But
1: Welcome. <laughs> what do you think-
0: Thanks for uh, taking the time and uh, excited to see where this goes for you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the live and create podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe and leave a comment or a review. The
1: live and create podcast.